Welcome to episode 16 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper. Um, What a year this has been, 2020. So much has gone on. Um, And to think, I started my podcast this year, never realizing that uh, this year would be the way it turned out. None of us did. So... You know, here in the U.S., we have lost so many people because of this uh, this virus, this pandemic, and it's just been uh, it's been a hard year for all of us. It's been a, a very very difficult year. Um, I know I lost my mother this summer, not not because of COVID. She had a stroke, and but because of COVID, I could not go out. To see her, and of course there was there was only a, a couple of hours before she died after her stroke, but it, it was it was so, you know, none of us expect to to lose a parent. We we do, and we don't, but having it the way it happened, it was just I, I felt like. I was not there for my mom, and I know I couldn't have been, but that's the way it was. Um, you know, all of us have been affected uh, in in some way because of this year. This year's just been, it's been hard. It's been very, very, very hard. So, see you 2020. 2021, please, please treat us better. Um, anyways, uh, so Gen X photography podcast, back to, back to photography. You know, uh, I was thinking of, uh, something regarding photography, but I want to save it for the next episode because, um, it's, you know, I'm going to be going into, into depth Maybe a little bit of depth, uh, or I guess, uh, well, you'll just find out. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to share uh, next episode with this episode, because next episode I'm, I, I am going to talk about some film stocks that I love, um, and you know, possible <laughs> hypocrisy uh, in loving those film film stocks. So we'll we'll wait until then. Um, but what I wanted to talk about today is actually, it's not necessarily related to photography, although I would like to someday relate it to photography. And I have taken pictures of this, uh, and I'd like to use this substance in my photography, just like um, others have used wine or salts or whatever, but I haven't done that yet, and it's hard to sacrifice a roll of film, you know, to, uh, to, to do something experimental. At least it is for me. But anyways, what I wanted to talk about today is, uh, my favorite libation, my favorite drink, and that's absinthe. You know, a lot of, uh, uh, film photographers that have podcasts, uh, talk about their, you know, their bourbons, their whiskeys, their rye, or, you know, Whatever the case may be. And I have a favorite drink myself, and that is absinthe. Well, what is absinthe? Well, 
you can look up absinthe on wikipedia you can watch videos on absinthe you can listen to podcasts like i do about absinthe um so i'm not going to go into a lot of the historical detail but i will say that it was a popular drink back in the 1800s um got its start uh late in the late 1700s and became very popular over in europe in the uh, late 1800s um well something happened in in Europe, in France, and that is uh, something called phylloxera, which was a uh, a blight of sort, and it devastated the wine uh, industry there. And so, you know, people looking for, uh, you know, something different to drink because, you know, people love to drink alcohol, uh, they turned lar- in large part to absinthe. Absinthe became very popular as a result. Uh, with the general society, uh, of course, with bohemians and avant-garde thinkers, painter, uh, painters, artists, musicians, um, but also with the uh, you know regular everyday people uh, over in Europe, in France, Switzerland, and and the like. Well, that went along uh, well enough, um, but then the wine industry began a smear campaign against absinthe. Um, and what happened was, uh, it it became demonized and this was sort of toward, you know, the beginning of prohibition, but something particular happened that was kind of like the nail in the coffin, uh, for absinthe in Switzerland and then in succeeding areas or, you know, other areas, including the United States. And that was, uh, this man who had a family, uh, it's called the absinthe murders. What, what happened was, uh, he went off to work. Uh, he had already been drinking. He, he drank, you know, a couple of liters of wine, other, other beverages. And when he came back, he finished up with two glasses of absinthe. And tragically, uh, he killed his, his wife his children nearly killed himself, and he blamed it on the absinthe. Well, in all honesty, he only had two glasses of absinthe. I've had two glasses of absinthe, and nothing has happened. Um, it could be probably the copious amounts of wine and other alcoholic beverages that this man had, as well as perhaps m- more likely a, a serious mental or emotional problem um so anyways there was a not only the smear campaign campaign from the wine industry but also uh this growing movement to ban absinthe and they uh hired this doctor i can't remember his name but um he came up with the term absinthism that if you drank absinthe you would go into deliriums start to hallucinate uh, go into convulsions and things like this. And in reality, alcoholism is a serious issue. Absentism does not exist. Um, the reason why um, they focused on that, on absinthe was uh, a particular ingredient called wormwood, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But for about a hundred years or so, absinthe was illegal to buy or sell anywhere. 
practically anywhere around the world. And I remember back in the 90s, um, I watched, uh, I think it was Bram Stoker's Dracula, and there was a scene uh, uh, where uh, there's some absinthe that's being drunk. And it's a mesmerizing scene. And, you know, uh, quite beautiful uh, to, to, to watch. Um, but from that point, that, I think that was the first time I'd ever heard of absinthe. And I thought it was poison. I, I didn't think of it as hallucinatory or, uh, you know, uh, some sort of a secret illegal alcohol. I thought it truly was poison. I think I mistook it for arsenic because <laughs> um, they, you know, kind of sound alike. So I just thought absinthe and arsenic were the same thing. Um, well, back in 2007, absinthe became re-legalized in the U.S. and not fake absinthe, real absinthe. And so I had my first absinthe in 2008, the year after the ban was lifted, and it was lovely. Now, I I had a very cheap absinthe, one that I do not recommend to anybody, absente. Uh, no shade on them, except for it's it's a very, very cheap absinthe. They add uh, artificial food coloring. They add sugar, making it a liqueur instead of a spirit, uh, which absinthe is a spirit and not a liqueur. Um, but it does have the proper ingredients. Um, so what is absinthe? Well, absinthe is, as I said, a spirit. It's a highly alcoholic spirit coming in at between 60 and 75% alcohol. So 120 to uh, 150 proof, uh, perhaps even more. And uh, what it is, is it's a, a neutral spirit. It starts off as a, a distilled neutral spirit. And the absinthe makers will put in a measure of wormwood, grand wormwood, and that's the key ingredient that caused absinthe to be banned because wormwood contains a a, a substance called thujone uh, that they thought was making people crazy, and it doesn't really. In large quantities, it can cause some health issues, but in large quantities, water can cause serious health issues, you know? Uh, in large quantities, just about anything can cause health issues. So anyways, uh, grand wormwood they put in, uh, green anise, and fennel. So those three herbs are required to, have it, to make an absinthe, and they are called the Holy Trinity of Absinthe. Put those in, macerate it, and distill that lightly distill it just so that the flavors of those three herbs stay in that distillate and then the distiller has well many choices but essentially two choices of how they want to continue forth with their absinthe do they keep it like it is and make what's called an absinthe blanche which is just the three herbs wormwood fennel and anise and bottle it up as it is or do they do a second maceration with other herbs such as lesser wormwood or melissa or sage uh, lemon balm thing, things like this that add to the uh, the olfactory complexity of the drink 
in addition to adding, giving it uh, a nice shade of green. So there, there's those two choices of making it a little bit more complex or keeping it a very simple absinthe blanche. So there's an absinthe blanche or clear so-called blue absinthe or um, absinthe vert. And typically, I've had the absinthe vert. I've had absinthe blanche before, and it's it's good. It's different, uh, but I've gone more with the absinthe verts. And so, after it's bottled up, uh, you know, you it's sent off. You can buy it at many different uh, liquor stores, and there's a number of varieties brands that are commonly available in the United States. Um, Lucid is one. That's a very good absinthe, in my opinion. Uh, and they've changed over the years. It started off, um, if anyone remembers, it was a, a tall, <clears throat> tall bottle with uh, two green cat eyes, tall black bottle with cat eyes, and it said Lucid. It was uh, one of the first bottles I had after Absente, and I, I have fond memories of it. But they've changed their, uh, their recipe, and it's actually a lot better now, a lot better. Um, there's St. George. They're a wonderful absinthe. They don't use green anise, though. They use star anise. So I'm not sure if I would term them a true absinthe, but it's it's good nonetheless. Uh, there's uh, Mansinth. Mary, Marilyn Manson makes an absinthe, and that's, it's actually quite quite delicious. A number of other varieties. I'm getting ready to to try a, a jade absinthe. Jade is considered to be one of the top of the line absinthes. I found one available here in, in Vermont, so I'm picking it up uh, fairly soon. But absinthe, um, does it make you hallucinate? No, <laughs> it doesn't make you hallucinate. If you hallucinate, it's because you've drunk too much alcohol. Alcohol can make you see strange things if drunk in great quantities, and I've never gotten to that point. But it's not the, um, the wormwood in the absinthe. It would be the alcohol if you drunk too much of it. In fact, there's another kind of alcohol that has wormwood in it. Can you guess what it is? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> vermouth. I've never had vermouth, but vermouth, the very name vermouth means wormwood. Vermouth. And, um, or vermouth. Wormwood. So... Uh, vermouth has that, uh, wormwood in it. Absinthe has wormwood in it. In fact, tarragon has uh, uh, thujone in it. It's not wormwood, but it's another substance that has thujone in it. So thujone is all around us, and we cook with it. We eat it. Nothing bad happens. Other drinks have wormwood in it, and they're, they're commonly drunk. Absinthe is no different. There's nothing wrong with absinthe. It's a lovely, lovely drink. Where does the term absinthe come from? Well, it actually comes from the scientific name for Grand Wormwood, uh, Artemisia absinthium. Artemisia absinthium. That's the uh, scientific name for Grand Wormwood, and that is where the name absinthe came from. Uh, what does it taste like? Well, if you might, as you might have guessed from the addition uh, uh, of uh, fennel and uh, fennel and uh, green anise, 
it does have a bit of a some people say it's a licorice flavor a bla like a black licorice and while i can sympathize with that i i've had black licorice and it, to me it doesn't taste anything like absinthe i can understand why they say that but to me it doesn't taste anything like black licorice uh, the black licorices that I've had uh, almost taste like chemicals um, compared to absinthe. And they're sweet and syrupy and all that. It's, absinthe is very different than that. A better approximation, I, I think, is if you... I don't know if any of you have gone to Indian restaurants, but if you go to an Indian restaurant, a lot of times they'll have this little metal tray with a spoon, maybe not now with COVID, Hopefully we will return to some sense of normalcy. But anyways, there's a uh, usually a little metal tray, a little spoon that you can uh, scoop out these little seeds and into your hand. And what they are are little um, either fennel or any seeds um, that are sugar-coated and brightly colored. And you chew on them, and they're really delicious. And they do remind a lot of people of you know, black licorice, but it's that uh, anise fennel flavor. Uh, that's kind of a, a one of the more prominent flavors of absinthe. So if you don't like that flavor, you're probably not going to like absinthe, but I do uh, suggest that you give it a try. Uh, if you can find a small bottle, one of the little micro bottles, the you know, the five milliliter, 10 milliliter, milliliter bottles, uh, five or 10, I, I've never bought one before, so... I don't know how how much they hold, but you know what I'm talking about, those little tiny bottles. If you can find one, go with that. Give it a try. If you like it, you can have, you know, buy more. If you don't like it, well, that was all you had to have. But another flavor compound of absinthe is the wormwood. So the fennel and the anise uh, give a sweet, pungent flavor, and the wormwood gives a bitter flavor, has a bitter aftertaste. And for some, it might be an acquired taste, but man, it is good. It's a nice combination between the sweetness and the bitterness, sweetness of the, the fennel and the bitterness of the, uh, the wormwood. It's a, 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 an interesting, lovely flavor. And, uh, I've drunk enough absinthe that I've kind of forgotten what it was like the first time, but to this day, I love absinthe. It's about, it's about the only alcohol that I truly love. I do like gin. I do like, you know, whiskey a little bit. I, I've <laughs> infused uh, whiskey and vodka and uh, rum with ghost peppers and uh, uh, scorpion peppers. Um, <laughs> that's always fun, but my main love as far as, uh, you know, deadly libations <laughs> or adult beverages, is absinthe. Well, how do you prepare absinthe? Well, what you do, uh, there's, of course, a number of ways, but here's a couple of ways that I've found that I enjoy absinthe. Uh, the most traditional way is you take your glass, you pour about an ounce of absinthe, so maybe like a shot glass full of absinthe into the bottom of the, the glass. And then you slowly drip ice cold water, slowly drip ice cold water into your cup. And as you drip it, and you can drip it either with a, you know, some sugar if you want it sweet. 
I choose not to use sugar. I think it's f absolutely lovely without it. I don't like the addition of sugar. It takes away from the the goodness of absinthe, in my opinion. But anyways, you... Um, and I'm about to contradict myself here in just a little bit, so just hold your horses. <laughs> but uh, anyways, with a traditional method, you just slowly pour drip, not pour, but just slowly drip, drip, drip ice-cold water into your cup of absinthe. And over time, you'll start to see these little cloudy trails uh, start to fill up your uh, your glass of absinthe. It starts off... You know, as a clear green, uh, clear green uh, liquid, and it starts to cloud up. That's called the Lusch effect. It starts to cloud up from the bottom up, and that cloud, the Lusch, will slowly rise, slowly rise with the more water you add. And as it gets, as that cloud slowly erases the clear absinthe, you're finally left with this just this little rim of of clear absinthe on the top. Once that disappears, it's said that it's properly uh, diluted. So depending on the, uh, the alcohol content, with a lower alcohol content, it will take less water. With a higher alcohol content in the, you know, in the 70s, 70% uh, range, you'll need more water to dilute it. But typically it's between uh, 1 and 3 and a 1 and 5. One part absinthe to three parts water or one part absinthe to five parts water or somewhere in between. Typically it's about like that. But of course you can make it to whatever ratio you want. That's just kind of typically what's recommended. Um, another way to achieve that slightly differently is to take your glass, put in three or four ice cubes, and then pour an ounce of absinthe. And the ice will slowly melt into the absinthe and that creates that lovely louche effect which takes quite a bit longer uh, it takes generally about 20 30 minutes for it to get to the right consistency and then you can drink it uh, some other ways that i've enjoyed absinthe is to take a again a shot of absinthe pour it in the glass and then pour in two to three parts of a really nice artisanal root beer, such as Virgil's root beer. Now, root beer is interesting, an interesting marriage with absinthe because, you know, absinthe is a, a complex, uh, you know, aromatic, very flavorful uh, alcoholic beverage. has a lot going on. has those, you know, wormwood, fennel, and anise, as well as, if you get a verit, all these other botanicals that make just a, a very complex palate. Well, then you add a high-quality root beer, not your A&Ws, but something that is made with real ingredients, with you know, root beer being a very complex drink as well. Putting those two together just makes this really awesome, full-flavored uh, libation. Now, here's where I'm contradicting myself because I did say I don't like sugar with my absinthe, but with root beer, of course, there's a lot of sugar. So that, I do make that exception. Where I don't like sugar is with the traditional method where it's just water and absinthe. I don't like to add sugar with that. But when it comes to adding root beer to the mix, oh, man, it is lovely. Another way that I like even more, and this has been surprising to me, is um, to take a grapefruit uh, 
soda. Uh, one brand is Izzy. Another brand, I, I just barely learned about them, so now I can't remember the name, but it's a uh, it's kind of like Izzy. I, I, you might have seen that that brand out there before. Um, it's basically a, just a, a grapefruit-based soda. So, uh, and very minimal ingredients, grapefruit, sugar, maybe citric, citric acid and carbonated water. Um, I love grapefruit. I love, that's my, one of my favorite fruits. And it has a particular flavor. Well, when you, again, add one part absinthe to, you know, three or so parts uh, of this grapefruit um, soda, it, they, they combined quite well together. It, it, it was surprising. I'd like to try it with a, an absinthe melange. So you, you'd have less complexity of the absinthe married with the, uh, with the grapefruit beverage. I think that would be just lovely. But absinthe, it's a, a, a lovely, lovely libation. And I, I suggest any of you that you, uh, that you try it. Um, now, how does this relate to photography? <laughs> I, I, I am going to throw a little bit of photography in there. And this is the Gen X photography podcast, not the Gen X cocktail <laughs> podcast. Uh, so sorry for the diversion. But, you know, I, I, I did, I did want to spend one episode talking about this lovely, lovely beverage. But how it can relate to photography. You know, I hear a lot, of, about, a lot about people uh, doing film souping with wine and salt and acids and stuff like that. So I thought, hey, I wonder what it would be like to uh, film soup with absinthe, to, you know, to make an absinthe beverage and then put my roll of film in it. It would have to be cheap film, which in the next episode, I'm going to talk about cheap films too. So I don't know. It would have to be a film I don't really care for. Like, say... Fuji Film Superior, four hundred. I, I shoot that film. It's not my favorite. Okay, uh, sorry, Fuji Film. <laughs> Kodak has my heart, but Fuji Film um, uh, Superior four hundred. To do what Roxana Angles suggested to uh, put it in the uh, in in your uh, liquid whatever liquid you choose. And I'm going to try absinthe, maybe absinthe with a little bit of a, I don't know, an acidic, uh, well, maybe the grapefruit, grapefruit beverage with maybe a little bit of additional lemon juice or something like that. And uh, soak it in the, in the absinthe for 12 hours and then put it in a bag of rice, white rice for a couple of weeks, dry it out and then develop it using old developers. I won't try it with uh, new developers, but It'll be interesting to try. Um, I'll have to make sure that I get the role and only shoot things that I don't really care about because I know that it's going to affect the images. And if I shoot something that I care about, I want it to turn out kind of like I, I shot it. So film souping with absinthe, I'll uh, let you know how it turns out when I finally do it. But I wanted to tie that into this episode to make it a <laughs> an actual film photography uh, episode, film photography film photography based episode. So, anyways, I thought I'd close out the the year uh, with uh, a little bit of a uh, gustatory pleasure. 
uh, olfactory sense pleasure. Uh, if you again, if you've tried absinthe, let me know what you thought about it. If you haven't tried absinthe, try it out. It's it's really delicious. Um, so, anyways, I'm hoping that everyone makes it safely through to 2021. Andre, I hope you get better, man. I love listening to you on the Negative Positives uh, podcast, and uh, I'm so sorry that you're you've been uh, you know that you contracted this. Um, get better, buddy, man. And uh, so, anyways. Thanks everyone to everyone who has listened. Um, looking forward to 2021 and shooting much more film. And hopefully it'll be a, a much better and brighter year for all of us. So until next time, sayonara, may the force be with you.